0: good evening seattle little saigon it's 5 p.m here in seattle pacific standard time on december the 21st 2019 december the 21st 2019 few days to christmas a <clears throat> few days left until santa claus comes few days left until Santa gets on his fucking sleigh. few days left until Santa loads up his sleigh with all sorts of gifts for boy-girl, bad girls. Boy-girls, wow, that was a Freudian slip. I live in Seattle. Santa's gonna figure out the genders this year. He doesn't know them no mo. Boy-girl. It's all just je now and it. He's gonna get it a present. Santa's gonna get it a present. A very special fucking present for it. It doesn't know what it's getting yet. <clears throat> it doesn't understand the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, anyways. How many of you guys get your checkups? You know, your health checkups, your annual checkups. Well, before um I talked to you about my health checkups, you know, other than seeing Dr. Grunkus, and Dr. Grunkus isn't so much about health as understanding. Understanding that life is futile understanding that doctors all doctors are murderers understanding that the light at the end of the tunnel is a match over a can of gasoline yeah dr grunkus is about understanding i'm talking about non-dr grunkus type doctor's visits you know Well, before we go into that, before we delve too deeply into that bullshit, um, let us revisit a famous gedanken, which is a German word for thought experiment. A famous gedanken, gedanken, Maschlenken. Yeah. You gonna go back in time and kill Hitler, you fuck? Are you gonna do that? Are you gonna build a time machine to kill Hitler? There's a good chance it won't work, you fuck. In fact, there's a good chance you'll just kill yourself. You'll set yourself on fire, Charlie. You'll set yourself on fire. Yeah, anyways. Schrodinger. Schrodinger's cat. Now, Schrodinger was a physicist who lived about 100 years ago. He was one of those physicists in a newly developed field of physics called quantum physics. Quantum physics being, in part, the study of fundamental particles that make up the elemental particles, the electrons, the positrons, excuse me, electrons, the protons, the neutrons. Anyways, the electrons, the protons, the neutrons. Positron is antimatter. Let's not go there now. Anyways, the point is these electrons, these neutrons and these protons are actually made up of other stuff as well. And um, yeah, and also they essentially studied not just what is very small, but they studied what is very unpredictable. And they also studied the nature of light beyond what was the standard theory, that light was just waves being propagated by the ether. That was the standard theory. And they proposed that maybe it was a bit more complicated that, in fact, light was made up of little particles called photons. And yes, 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 photons behave like waves. And that's called particle-wave duality. Anyways, before we talk about that, let's talk about Schrodinger's cat. Now, some of you people like cats. And you, you, you like cats, you think cats are nice. So you're not going to like th- this thought experiment. Because what you do is you build a chamber. Yeah, very fucking Nazi white man thing to do, right? <laughs> First you build a chamber, a gas chamber. Holy fuck, Schrodinger. Come on. Anyways, you build a chamber. And in the chamber, you have a radioactive element, not dangerous, but um, one that has a certain rate of decay and you have a particle detector, um, an alpha beta particle detector, and essentially alpha particles are electrons that are released through radioactive decay, and um, that's alpha particles, and beta particles are basically protons that are released during radioactive decay. So you've got alpha and beta, you have a detector, and the idea is this, when the detector detects an alpha particle, and again, the detector has a window, so it would it, it's gonna be kind of random, the likelihood is not going to be high, but it will happen, which means eventually, maybe in a minute, an hour, whatever, which means it will happen. Yeah, the detector will go off. And when the detector goes off, a vial of poisonous, a poison that is inert is is dropped and it breaks and it releases a poisonous gas. Fuck Schrodinger, a gas chamber. Anyways, <sighs> There is no window because it's not like, you know, he was that big of a bastard. You didn't want to watch the cat die. (laughs) And of course, you know, there's no window because that's part of the thought experiment. When um, Schrodinger closes the door, it triggers a device and so, and the cat's inside. And so there's some likelihood once he closes that door, That at some point that cat will be dead but until he can verify that the cat is dead the cat might also still be alive now on one level you could say this is about observation okay yeah 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 it's about observation and it applies to more than just quantum physics but on another level it is about this idea that certain behaviors in quantum mechanics are very spooky to the extent that they allow contradictions See, technically speaking, um, the cat is in a state, a contradictory state called superposition. Technically speaking, the door is closed. The cat is both alive. Yay! The cat's alive, and the cat is also dead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the cat is alive. The cat is dead. <sighs> yeah. Don't cry over spilt cat. Spilt cat. Never cry over spilt cat. You know, you can cry for spilt milk. But don't cry for spilt cat. Them cats, man. You think they look at you like they love you? They don't love you. You stop feeding them. They'll figure out a way to eat. And one night, your cat will slit your throat. (laughs) I swear, it'll happen. And and then, you know what, The the only newspaper of record that will report the incident will be Weekly World News. And you'll say, oh, wow, that means it didn't happen or did it. So here's the deal, folks. Because you cannot observe the cat, because you cannot see the cat, the cat has a likelihood of being alive and a likelihood of being dead. And until you open the door, you don't know what it is. Now, when you do open the door, the states coalesce and you get an answer. You get a result. The result happens. Because while the cat with the door closed is both alive and dead, once you open the door, it is either and exclusively alive or dead. It's either still alive and it jumps on you and yeah, everything's fine, you bastard or you find that it's dead and, um, you're a bastard. So why do I bring up Schrodinger's cat other than the mention that it's really kind of a fucked up thought experiment? Thinking about poisoning cats for the future of physics. You know what? That's a chapter in the little Saigon diary that I need to get started on. The theft of cats, you know, why would, why are people stealing the cats people? Anywho, I got to get back on subject, right? We were talking about your health. Like, do you get an annual physical? And you're saying to yourself, what the fuck does the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment have to do with getting an annual physical? That's your fucking question, isn't it? You bastard. Well, let me explain. I had my last physical um, about two weeks after my ex-wife kicked me out of the apartment and we separated. So technically, before the divorce, Just after separation. And I was in a pretty bad place, folks. I mean, no matter what you want to say about love that ends or love that falls apart, there's no clean way to exit this, okay? I was never really her friend. I was was in love with her, but I was never really her friend. So this idea that it was all going to be sort of nice and touchy-feely Hollywood bullshit, no. And I was the one that was dumped, so... Yeah, if you're going to dump me, I hate to break it to you, one of the repercussions is you might never, ever see me again. Because I don't stalk women. I don't fucking hang out by their houses and wonder what the fuck they're doing. Anyways, the last physical I had was in August 2013. Mid to late August, I think. and everything was fine. No problems. I have not been concerned about my health since. Do I get sick every once in a while? Well, I do. I probably get that, whatever they want to call it, that bungus flu, the bungus flu that goes around. I probably get that once every two years, and it lasts for about a day. And every once in a while, I get a sore throat. And a couple years ago, I had an ear infection because I went swimming in a Seattle pool a really nice Seattle pool, really nice, nice people. (laughs) Such nice people at this fucking Seattle pool. Really, really nice people, that's what they keep telling you in Seattle. But I got basically what what is the equivalent of um, gonorrhea in the ear. That's what the doctor told me. He said, have you been having sex with your ear? Or has someone else and I said doc who the fuck uses their ear for sex and he said listen buddy it's a hole so yeah um, back to the core subject though and do I worry about things like cancer diabetes COPD um, heart disease dementia, any number of horrible things that may or may not occur. I actually don't. It's really funny. A lot of people will say, Dan, you worry about the world too much. And I really don't in that sense. I'm more entertained and I should say in awe of the level of chaos and bullshit at this point in history. It's more of entertainment. But in terms of worry, I definitely do not worry about my health. I don't. It's not that I think I'm in either good health or bad health. Like the cat in the chamber, I have no idea if it's alive or dead. If you ask me, the best approach to health is what I would call the Schrodinger approach. Um, It's an observational problem. If you don't feel sick, You're probably not sick. Now you're saying, well, Dan, sometimes people with diseases don't feel sick. Well, yeah, sometimes they don't. And I don't know what to tell you. But what I can tell you is I don't want to know what's going on inside of me. And the best approach to the inside of my body is the ignorance is bliss approach. Like, you know, approach. It's like, why the fuck do I want to know what's going on inside of there? Okay? How does that do me any fucking good at all? It's like if somebody comes up and says, Dan, you're 50 now, you're 50. Have you had a colonoscopy? Oh my God. Have I had a colonoscopy? No, I haven't. And you know why? Because I don't want to know and why would I know and why would I care? As, As long as I don't know what's going on inside of there, Again, ignorance is bliss, okay? I can imagine if you sent a probe into my anus, if you sent a probe to my anus, not your anus, but my anus, if you sent a a deep inner space probe up my butt, I think you would likely see a great many horrible things, but eventually you'll reach a point. And you'll see these things that look like scarecrows. A lot like, you know, that original, you know, Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes. You know, when he gets to the edge of the, the dead zone and there are the scarecrows that mark the forbidden zone. Yeah, I think that if, if they ever sent a camera up my butthole, they would get to a point where they would see these markers and it would say, stay away. This is the forbidden zone. And you'd say, well, no, we have to know what's going on inside of your colon. Really, you have to know? It's like knowing how Game of Thrones is going to end, you fuck? You don't have to know. You just want to know. I think that there are dark vistas inside of my intestines and my colon. I think you'll find probably, you know, I did not, when I was stationed in Korea, I did not knowingly ever eat dog, never. I never knowingly eat ate any dog, but if you're asking me, is it possible that when I was deployed and I went to some, you know, really authentic Korean barbecue place in the hinterlands of South Korea, are you asking me if during, you know, Full Eagle, maybe 1997 or 98, when I was an observer controller, is it possible that I maybe accidentally ate some dog? Yeah, and if you send a probe up my butthole, you might find a still decaying remnant of that dog from 1998. Who wants to know about a 20 year old piece of dog inside their fucking intestines? I don't want to know. And how do I know it's even there? It's like the point of this whole Schrodinger thing. I don't really know if I ate any dog in South Korea. There is a probability, let's call it 25%. There is a 25% chance that while I was stationed in South Korea, I unknowingly ate dog. But until I know the answer, It's a lot like the problem of superposition. It's a lot like the cat that is both alive and dead. Or a lot like my colon, people. My colon might be filled with tumors and parasites. Or it might be clean and pure and so lovely. It might be. I don't think it is. It's more likely that there's all kinds of shit growing down there. And you know what? That's what happens. You ever see the bottom of a ship? Especially the old-timey wooden ships. They get barnacles. They get seaweed on the bottom. They get little ecosystems that live on the bottom of the fucking boat, the ship. When you get older, you get that inside of you, and that's okay. There's all kinds of little creatures that live inside of you. And, and frankly, a lot of them keep you alive. A lot of them allow you to digest your fucking food, you son of a bitch. So it's not like you should be like all, Oh, Dan, don't tell me you have parasites. Listen, we all have parasites. The question is, are they parasitic? Or are they symbiotic? Because we have stuff inside of us that is very symbiotic, which means it helps us. It helps us. It helps us digest the food. It helps us create vitamins and nutrients. There's stuff inside of us. There's living things that are symbiotically connected to us. They're not genetically human folks. But they are important to us. And then every once in a while, you slip and fall on 12th Avenue in Little Saigon, and one of the gronkos worms that is now breeding underneath the sidewalks near the toxic dump that nobody talks about. One of them burrows into your hand, the hand you use to break your fall. Now you have worm parasites all over your body, buddy. And it doesn't feel good. You got worm parasites inside of your sphincter. You got worm parasites inside of your spine. You got worm parasites inside of your fingers but everything's fine. So there might be all kinds of things wrong with my body. And technically I'm overweight. And if you ask me, do I care that I'm overweight? Uh, Not really, you know, all things being equal, I'm probably about 50 pounds overweight. And it's one of the reasons why I stocked up on vitamins, oh, by the way, because if we go through a period where food prices double, you know, double, triple, quadruple, and then beyond, space and beyond, if we go through time where food's not so easy to get, it doesn't bother me I have some extra weight. It really doesn't. And yeah, I know it's not its not healthy though. Well, you know what? Tell me the fucking food you're eating right now that is. If you wanna spin me, I eat organic. There ain't shit left on planet Earth that can claim it's fucking organic. We have pooped and fucked and shat and vomited like the evil french bulldogs we are on every fucking corner. There is not a sacred corner of this earth that we haven't polluted with radioactive materials, poisons that never go away, pharmaceutical shit that comes out, you know, in our shit and our pee, and you're telling me about your fucking organic food. And and I haven't even gotten star- I haven't even gotten started on the shit they say is not happening in the sky. Um, maybe it's not, but it looks weird. But yeah, even if it's not, there's a lot of shit falling out of the sky. Public record, the microplastics. You can research it yourself. What are the scientists saying? It's a million times worse than what they thought. Oh, wow, that's just a little bit of a mistake. Just a million times worse, baby. Yeah, a million times worse. I I would say when you make a fuck-up like that, You deserve to get fired. In the very least, someone else should take your fucking job. Anywho, you can research the microplastics and the estimates and all that, but if you're going to tell me about your organic fucking diet, please shut the fuck up. There is nothing out there that we have not polluted. I don't care if you're growing shit hydroponically, okay? Um, in, all, in all likelihood, you're still going to have shit in your food unless you're taking measures that are so extreme that you wouldn't be able to afford to produce any food. So yeah, this idea that there might be clean food, maybe maybe for millionaires and billionaires, maybe for people who can afford $1,000 a month for their fucking food or, or more or probably more per person. If you can afford three or four thousand dollars a month per person, then maybe you can get really clean beef, really clean pig, maybe a salmon or two that aren't dead yet, and other kinds of things, including carrots and fucking asparagus. Yeah, we're not so keen on the asparagus though, but broccoli and lettuce and tomatoes. But unless you're, like, super rich, I don't think you're going to get that food. And I don't care that you go to Whole Foods and says, well, that's organic, and Jeff Bezos wouldn't lie. Please. Please, please, please. Jeff Bezos, best case scenario, he is a grifter like all the other grifters that ascend in crony Death Star America these days. Whether he gives a shit about you is a giant open fucking question. But if you're asking me, would he allow people to lie? Uh, probably. Probably. So I I just don't know what to tell you. If you're one of these people who says, Dan, if you don't get a physical, it means you might get cancer. No, I think I'll get cancer no matter what. I think that's how poisonous things are now. But I frankly don't give a shit, and because I don't give a shit, I think that's why I'm still alive, people. See, what if this whole Schrodinger cat thing is a very complicated trick on the universe? What if it's a way of fooling causality What if observation is everything? If you don't look at it, you don't know. If it ain't broke, you don't got to fix it. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, remember. And don't look up my butthole. You don't want to see what's there, baby. There are likely ancient peoples that live inside of my butthole. Kind of like an old Twilight Zone episode. You know where the astronaut crashes on some fucking asteroid and there's tiny little peoples and he becomes astronaut god. Yeah, Futurama ripped that one off too. Imagine that people inside my colon is an entire evolved species of super super beans, but they're very very small. They're not likely a threat, really, but now just by mentioning it, I feel like the CIA is probably going to build a probe and launch it into my butthole. There's there's a civilization that we can exploit in Dan's butthole. Fuck, going there for the oil, 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 baby. Go to my butthole and find the fucking oil. Next topic. Um, Now that we've talked about the general observational Schrodinger way of dealing with personal health, don't look, no problem. Don't test, no problem. You feel okay, that's fine. Now you know my secret to health. And if I die of a stroke next week, guess what, I don't give a fuck. I don't. Why? Because I'll be fucking dead. And either there's a heaven, which I believe, or there's not. If there's a heaven, I think I got a 50-50 chance of getting there. If there's not, it doesn't fucking matter. You just drift away. Your brain slowly dies. Chemicals are released. It's the last trip you're ever going to take. How do you prepare for the unthinkable? Now keep in mind, this is sort of related to that whole, you know, do I want to have somebody shove a camera in my colon? Because if I found out I had cancer, listen, I'm 50 years old, I ain't got no kids, I ain't got no wife, I ain't got much of a life. If I found out I had cancer, the likelihood that I would go to the fucking hospital and have them irradiate me and give me chemo and put me on some experimental drug is zero. Number one, I don't have health insurance. Number two, I don't trust the system. Now, you could say, "Well, Dan, shouldn't people do that if they want to?" Exactly, precisely, it should be a fucking choice. The scary thing about the current system is it's, be- it's beginning to be—it's beginning to reach the point where once you get into the medical system, you lose all your fucking rights. I mean, I don't want to get into a system where I become essentially a medical prisoner. So no, I'm not going to be getting any of the fucking tests because I don't want to give a one fucking doctor, one hospital administrator, I don't want to give the healthcare system one piece of my flesh. I don't even care if theoretically they could save my life. I don't care. Now, here is the default position though. If I'm hit by a car, and there's some good chance that that ER person can reset a shoulder or sew up a wound. If I'm hit by a car or I have an accident, you know what, I'm probably unconscious, they're going to take me to the hospital, yeah, that's going to happen that way, or you just leave me to bleed to death, I don't care. But here's the thing folks, after, you know, after a while, if things get crazy enough, there's gonna be no ambulances. There's gonna be no emergency room you're gonna be able to get to. It's one good reason to know a nurse. If you don't know a nurse on your block in your apartment, if you don't know one good nurse that lives nearby, that's a problem. You should know at least one good nurse because, or, you know, physician's assistant or even doctor. Know at least one of these people that lives nearby because there's gonna come a time you're not going to be able to get to the emergency room. there won't be an ambulance coming for you. Even if the future is bright, even if the future is wonderful, even if everything long term is Star Trek, Star Trek and um, you know, replicators and free energy and free food, what's coming in the near term is going to get ugly. And so yeah, you know, it's good to know people that know how to soap a wound. But like I said, folks, I just don't know. I can't control these things. You just, what are you gonna do? Walk around as if an asteroid's gonna hit you in the head? You see, here's the funny thing about people that listen to me. People will listen to me and they'll say, well, Dan, you talk about the clathrate gun, you talk about nuclear war, you talk about, um the ocean's dying. You talk about a lot of stuff you see with your own eyes and it's not good. And yeah, I think a lot of that might be true, although it's hard to figure out what that's going to mean in the long term. I'm being honest, folks. I'm just one little man in this little world. I What I know is what people allow me to know. What you know is what the powers that be allow you to know. And it may not be very much. And I'm sorry to say that. But the assumption might be, if you listen to me, is, Dan, Are you worried about all these things? It's like, not really. In fact, one of the reasons why I talk about these things is to help with the not worrying. I think it's actually helpful to talk about these things for a couple reasons. One, I'm not selling ignorance. Nobody should ever sell ignorance as a solution. Now, I know that sounds like a contradiction to the whole Schrodinger thing, but I will say this, pick and choose your ignorance is bliss scenarios. Mine currently is my body. I freely acknowledge that I'm choosing to be ignorant about the state of my body. But at the same time, I I think that's my right. Okay? I think that's my right. I think that I have a right to not care. Um, But I'm not really selling ignorance here. I'm selling, if if anything, I'm selling you on make decisions about what you want to know. If you don't want to know something, fine. But don't be stupid about it. Don't pretend nobody told you because you could have learned, you could have known. That's my point about my health. I'm not saying that I'm gonna complain. It's like if I ended up at the hospital and they said, Dan, you have stage four cancer. If you'd only gotten to us in time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know doctor, I know. Um, Give me whatever gumbus you're gonna give me and release me. So even though I'm choosing to be ignorant in this case, it is a conscious and aware choice, okay? Bottom line. Um, So I'm not selling ignorance. I'm not selling that you shouldn't ever think about these things that are unthinkable. It's more like, I wouldn't worry about them so much. Try not to do that because that's not gonna help. And there's no way to know what's going to happen for sure anyways. And above all, everybody dies and that's always been true. So if you're worried about the fatality of existence, fatalism, um, yeah, everybody dies, that's reality. No matter what happens in the future, even if it's Star Trek, you're probably going to die. Sorry. But if you can be happy or try to be happy while you're alive, try to find little tiny moments of peace. Try to find an an oasis here or there, an existential oasis, a place that you can be and be who you are without fear, where you can be happy, where you can find joy. And for some of you, that might be in your family. And God bless you if you've figured out how to do that. If you've figured out how to make your oasis also your family, then you've kind of figured out a lot in life. But whatever it is, it is what it is. But here's the question. How do you prepare for the unthinkable? Because almost by definition, it's like you can't prepare. You can't. You can have weird, vague ideas. Like for example, magnetic pole shift. I know enough about the magnetic field around the Earth to know that A, it helps protect us from radiation and B, um, it is not permanently stable. It has become throughout Earth's history, um, periodically unstable. So yeah, it could become unstable and there could be a pole shift. And during that period of time, who knows what happens? Maybe it triggers seismic events. Maybe it triggers weather events. Maybe it triggers a little ice age. Maybe it triggers a period of rapid warming around the Arctic Circle and that pulls the trigger on the clathrate gun and we're fucked. And that'll have nothing to do with your cheeseburgers or your wine or your Tesla. If that was going to happen, That was going to happen. The stuff that is locked around the permafrost, that stuff has been locked there since the last fucking Ice Age. So this is not a fucking guilt game. This isn't a blame game. If that scenario happened, there was nothing you did to cause it. And guess what? There's probably almost nothing you can do to prepare for it. In the scenario, the worst case scenario for the clathrate gun. And if you don't know what the clathrate gun hypothesis is, it's about the rapid release of meth- methane that is relatively inert under pressure and temperature. The rapid release of methane um, or methyl hydrates or clathrate from around the world. And if that were to happen, yeah, it could trigger Venus syndrome. Over 10 years, methane is 100 times more of a greenhouse greenhouse gas molecule than CO2. So methane is a real problem and guess what? If this were to happen, like I said, zero to do with any of the bullshit that little Greta Thunberg talks about or Al Gore or Leonardo DiCaprio, zero to do with jets and and yachts and all that. If it happens, it was totally something that was going to happen and there is nothing you can do about it runaway greenhouse event, um, the Earth's temperature could get to 200 degrees probably within a decade. And and so it wouldn't get to Venus. No, Venus is 700 degrees. Mm. But yeah, if the average Earth temperature was 200 degrees Fahrenheit, you're not, there's nothing living on the Earth that we would recognize. And you're probably only gonna find life in caves. And most of the ocean is probably turned to steam. Um, Probably half of it. Over time, it's going to happen. That's the point. That is an unthinkable scenario. How do you prepare for the Earth becoming a little bit like Venus? There's nowhere. Pre- there is no pre- preparation. You just live your life, try to be happy. <sighs> How do you prepare for you know something like Mount Rainier going off? If Mount Rainier exploded, listen. If you live anywhere within the range fan of um. Mount Rainier, as far as, you know, the rapidly moving, very hot mud flows. Um, if you live within that area, then yeah, it's pretty bad. You you know, you're not gonna have a lot of time to prepare. Um, I think it's called the Lahar? The Lahar? Is that right? Is it called the Lahar? The Lahar coming from Rainier, that hot gas, flow going hundreds of miles an hour, plus mud and other junk, that rapidly moving wave of pain and suffering. It's going to be moving hundreds of miles an hour, and it will get to wherever it's going to go to um, within about 30 minutes. And every fucking road, I-5, old 99, even the fucking ferries will be overloaded and it will be panic. And guess what? You won't be able to drive anywhere. So all you can hope for is that you're not in the path of the lahar. And then all you can hope for is that somehow you get away from the ash. But if Mount Rainier exploded, folks, you know what? Again, it's almost like Schrodinger's cat. You are in a superposition. You're alive or you're dead until you know. There are a lot of things that are unthinkable because they seem like they have no, there's no way through them. The volcano thing is a little bit unthinkable, but it's not because it wouldn't be the end of the world. It's not like the clathrate gun. If Mount Rainier exploded, yeah, a lot of people's worlds would end that day, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. If a caldera went off, it would be bad. Like if the Yellowstone caldera cooked off, that would potentially trigger a little ice age. Even with um, all the other shit going on, And that too would be catastrophic. You're not gonna have eight billion people fucking and feeding um, with permanent winter. It ain't gonna happen. You won't be able to raise the food, food, people will starve. And I'm gonna say this for the record. Whatever happens in the future, I am convinced that the United States and the whole world is going to experience a famine, a famine. It won't be just us making, you know, back in the 80s, um, when there was the whole relief effort for places like Ethiopia, you know, USAID for Africa and stuff like that, and they would sing the songs, we are the world, we are the children, and they'd sing those fucking songs. People would say, oh, those poor people. But here's the deal, folks. Famine can happen to anyone. Famine can happen anywhere. All you need for famine is no food. No food, you got a famine. And some people believe, and I'm sympathetic to this argument, that in terms of healthy food, we're already in a famine. It's one of the reasons why things like diabetes and cancer and stuff like that's so bad. It's because even though we're producing food with lots and lots of fucking calories, not so many vitamins and minerals and nutrients though. A lot of really shitty food. So in terms of healthy food, you could argue we're already in a famine to some extent. How do you prepare for a famine? I think it's gonna happen. In the very least, we could experience um, food prices that get so high that for all intents and purposes a lot of people will find themselves in a famine. They'll find themselves hungry and uh, there'll be scarce food to eat and people, you know, we hope that people will be kind but here's the thing, the kindness is a function of what they have to be kind with. If you're talking about a mom and a dad that have kids, they're probably gonna feed their kids before they feed you. I'm sorry, this isn't Little House on the Prairie, folks. And and anyways, even if it were, get real about that. Yeah, the Ingalls family, they were always really nice, but they were the minority. Most of the people were not like the Ingalls. Most of the people were kinda douchey. And why? Because they needed to be. like the Olsons, the Olsons that ran the store, right? The nasty, snotty Olsons. (sighs) For most of human history, having access to food, dependable access to food, is what I should say, was kind of a luxury. Dependable, predictable access to food is a luxury for most of human history. Yeah, it's true, we've been able to store grain for thousands of years, but that storage mechanism isn't perfect either. And so ultimately, um, yeah, I think there will be a time when, for all intents and purposes, the United States and much of the world will experience a famine. And even if there's a happy side, which means... Even if we get to the other side and things get better again, it doesn't take away the fact that you will go through that. And it might only last a couple years, folks, but it could last decades. And before you say things like, well, I don't know how that could happen, why don't you ask the fucking orca whales in the Puget Sound, oh, they're almost all gone, okay? Now, I know you think you're special because you're a clever monkey, but step out of your delusional cave for a second. And recognize that you are also, on one level, just another biological creature, just like a fucking orca. Probably not as cool. And if you're asking me, can you um, find yourself in a situation where your ecosystem is no longer tenable? Yeah. Approximately 70,000 years ago, a giant caldera, super volcano, that's a bit of a... Um, that's a bit redundant, giant caldera, a supervolcano, um, and I think somewhere near Indonesia, exploded. And the human population, at the time, it's hard to know what it was, probably shrunk to under 10,000 humans because of this event. That's how bad it was. And so if you're asking me, can the human race be pushed to the point where the question mark is, will we survive? The answer is not only yes, but hell yes. And guess what? We probably don't have any special rights here. I mean, I'm a Christian, but I know the difference between Eden and here, okay? This is not Eden, folks. Adam and Eve got to live there. We live in the real fucking world. And in the real fucking world, you break it, you buy it. I believe in God, but I don't think God is going to take away our free will on a whim. Do I think every once in a while God will magic into existence a giant fish to make you go to Nineveh? Probably, because God can do shit like that. But do I think God does that very often for ordinary, everyday people? No. And do I think God does that when we're the ones fucking up? No, I kind of think the Lord in heaven gives us, like I've said before, plenty of rope. Plenty of rope. We have been given every tool to destroy and to profane and to mutilate. We have given. We have been given every tool to make the world into a graveyard, um, to salt the earth, and we have been given. We have been given every fucking tool to make the earth a garden. We have every tool to make the earth a garden, or to make the earth a graveyard. Totally. I believe that. Now, is it possible it's too late? If you ask a guy like Guy McPherson, he'll say it's way too late. You should be prepared for the end, buddy. And let's talk about that. Because for Guy McPherson, it isn't just about one thing that is um, failing catastrophically. It's a cascade of many things involving positive feedback. So yes, of course it's about CO2. And of course it's about human-created um, climate change, you know, but, um, or anthropomorphic global warming, whatever you want to call it. But it's also about all the things we just don't know or understand. And the fact that these systems, they don't fail in linear ways. And so if you listen to Guy McPherson, he'll tell you, we got a couple more years. Sometime in the year 2022, um, you'll hear an alert on TV. Yeah, Donald Trump will come on and say, People's really sorry about this. We've been lying to you. We've been hiding the truth with geoengineering. Yeah, that Dane Wiggington guy, he was right. And guess what? The planet's broken. The planet is broken. We've had a blue ocean event in the Arctic. We are now in Venus Syndrome. All fancy people, all razzmatazz, get to your escape pod. All the richies and the scummies, all the cronies, all the generals and their whores, get to your fucking escape pod. All the terrible, evil, wretched folk, that have turned the earth into a turd, please, by all means, get to your escape pod and head to Antarctica. You'll be loved there. You'll get to see the ancient pyramids. You'll get to commune with the ancient gods, lowercase g. You'll learn the secrets that only, yeah, L. Ron Hubbard understood. Yeah, he turned out to be right about that Xeno fuck. (laughs) All scumbags. All pieces of shit. All dirtbags. All murderers on a grand scale. Lloyd Blankfein. Jamie Dimon. Timothy Geithner. Trump. Hillary. Obama. Clapper. Comey. Brennan, There's, it, the list is too fucking long. All you scumbags, get to your fucking escape pod. Because the end is nigh. And although we expect a million people can live in Antarctica, people like you and I just get to die. How do you think about the unthinkable? How do you think about the unthinkable and not have it stress you out? How do you do it? How do you prepare for the unthinkable? Here's the thing, guys. Maybe that maybe the secret message here is you can't. That life does kind of just happen. That, that Mike Tyson is right. Every motherfucker has a plan. And guess what? Von Mulkey said the same thing a lot earlier, but you know, in a very erudite and hence unreadable way. But whether it's Von Moltke saying, no plan survives first contact, or Mike Tyson saying, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. That's life, folks. Mike Tyson and Von Moltke are both fucking correct. That is life. You have a plan. You do the best you can. If you have a family, you live according to the paradigm. It's good to be aware of what's coming. It's good to be aware that no paradigm lasts forever. But how do you prepare for these things? How do you prepare for the great discontinuity? I've said this to others in the past. You have to imagine yourself inside of a toilet, surrounded by turds. And like my toilet, in a typical case, there's all kinds of dried debris on the edge of the toilet, shit you can hold on to. Shit you can hold on to during the great flush. Because a flush is coming. The flush always comes. So I'm not saying don't live your life. Actually kind of the opposite. Because these are not things in a lot of cases you can do anything about. You're just like me. You're a fly on a dying dog. And you don't know when the dog's going to die. But you're just like me. You're just a flea. You're just a flea, a fly, a flea. You're just a bug on an animal, and the animal is bigger than you, and you don't know what it's going to do, but you depend upon it. You do depend upon it. You do. A lot of people do. I call it often the crocodile. That's my name for government, but but it's more complicated than just government. It's that whole nexus of power and control, and I call it the crocodile. But you can also think of it, like I've said, as living on the Death Star. And you know the thing about Death Stars, folks? And I know it's hard to think about this, but let's be honest. Every Death Star explodes. Every single Death Star explodes. In fact, it's in the fucking name, people. Who takes a job on the Death Star? Probably somebody that has a Death Witch. Hey, honey, you going to that interview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't seem very excited. You're not gonna get that job. I know, I know, I know. Well, I hope you do well, honey. What's your name? My name's Steve. Hey, Steve. What do you think about working on the Death Star? I don't care. Steve, you're hired. There are a lot of Steves out there. A lot of people just do their job. I don't blame them, but the thing about the Death Star is it does not last. Eventually it explodes. Crocodiles and dogs die. And if you're a flea living off of the the wealth and the power of a giant dog and the dog dies, you either find a different dog or you die too. That's reality, folks. And do I think the people that run the world give a shit about you? They never have! Newsflash! There's never been a crocodile cabal that has ever given a shit about the people that live in the lower decks, okay? There are the people on the upper decks of the fucking Death Star, Death Battleship, and then there are those of us that live next to the fucking reactor, where the shielding ain't so fucking good. You think they care about us? No, no, no. They've got escape pods, people. They will be in Antarctica within a day. They've already been taking trips. You know, it's like John Kerry. A number of years ago, there was a story about John Kerry going to Antarctica. And it's like, why is he going there? I'll tell you why. He's checking out his condo. He's checking out his condo in the Antarctic safe zone. Great, great. Do I know this is true? No. But like I said, people, what the fuck do any of us really know? And and I'm not just talking about the question of, can we know the future? How do you even make a rational guess about the future when you are lied to about the present all the fucking time? How the fuck do you do that? Don't tell me, well, I listen to Paul Craig Roberts or I listen to James Howard Kunstler or I go to SGT Report, blah, blah, blah. These people are in the same fucking fishbowl that you are and they have access to the same information. And maybe it's helpful for you to listen to them or even fuck listen to me. But what the fuck do I know? At least I'm honest about it. What the fuck do I know? What the fuck do you know? And what the fuck do you think these people know? So how do you even make a good guess? If all you have is an ocean of lies, how do you find a few tiny drops of truth? It's not easy. And at the end of the day, you still don't know. And maybe that's okay, because like I said, the cat, the cat could be alive, people. The cat could be dead. We don't really know the state of the cat. Schrodinger knows <sighs> that evil fucking son- of a bitch. Schrodinger. What kind of a scumbag physicist kills cats to prove his point? Can you imagine the conversation between him and his girlfriend? Erwin? Yes, yes, yes. What are you doing? Um, I'm just taking the cat for a walk. Okay, honey, you remember the last time you did that? The cat did not come home that night, honey. I don't think cats like to take walks. At least not with you. Well, honey, I'll be back in a bit but scrambles might not be. You see, currently scrambles is in a state of superposition. Scrambles might be alive. Scrambles might be dead. So honey, we don't really know the state of scrambles until I get home. Now go in the kitchen and make me a sandwich.